0: I appreciate Jamie Lee and Chip and Mary Ann being willing to be interviewed as a part of this series. We're going to hear from some other Trinity folks over the course of the next couple of weeks as well, and, and all of them, I think, help convey this idea of, of impact and of how together as the church, we have the opportunity to really make a difference in the lives of others and in our community, um, and that is our hope. Um, And that's why um, we take some time every year to focus on our collective stewardship and what that might look like um, for us as we think about providing for um, a budget that enables us as the church to do the work that God is calling us to do. So some of you are quick. You've already figured out that we're into that season right now. This is the, this is the time of year when, when uh, we do have a stewardship emphasis. And this year we're, we're using the, the phrase, the leveraged life, So I want to say a word about that phrase and particularly about that word leverage uh, because depending on the context, it can mean different things. So here's how we are wanting to use that word in this context, and I'm going to give you two definitions, one using the word leverage as a noun and the other using leverage as a verb. So the first one as a noun, leverage is the power to influence a situation to achieve a particular outcome the power to influence a situation to achieve a particular outcome. And then the second, using that word as a verb, to leverage is to use a resource or resources to maximize opportunity. And friends, this is what we have the chance to do together. It is also something that we have the opportunity to do in our individual lives. And so as we come to this series this year, um I want you to know that this, the picture that we want to cast is much bigger than um, a decision that any one of us make about what am I going to give to the church out of my resources. It is about looking at the scope of stewardship in terms of who God is and how we are called to be caretakers of that. And I got to tell you that while sometimes stewardship series, I think, get a bad rap, I love talking about this topic. And here's why. One, because we have the ability collectively to make a real difference in our community. And, and this is a part of making it possible for us to make that difference. If we don't care about having um, facilities where we can host Sunday school classes and small groups and, and ministries for children and for youth, if we don't care about uh, being able to have resources that enable us to go out into our community and do work, then then we can all pack up and and say we're done here. But if we do care about those things, then this conversation that we have right now in this time of year really matters. Um, Secondly, I love this topic because inevitably, um, every time I've been a part of leading a, a time of stewardship emphasis, somebody walks away with a transformed relationship to their wallets. And that's a good thing Uh, because when we get reoriented in the way we even approach the things that we have a tendency to think of as our own, um, that opens new doors for how God can be at work in our lives. And then thirdly is it's an important aspect of Christian discipleship. When we go into the Gospels, um, just consider the number of times Jesus takes up the subject of money or wealth or material possessions. And it's all over the place. And so this is one of a host of topics that it's important for us to think about as a part of who we are as followers of Jesus. So I hope that this these next three weeks give us all something to really think and pray about. Um, and again, not just looking at it myopically in terms of This is that time of year when we talk about about it from the church's budget standpoint, but this is an opportunity for us to think about the big picture, and if we're going to think about the big picture, then where we start the conversation matters, and so I'm going to read for us today the 8th Psalm, because Psalm 8 helps us get the starting point right. Um... So have a listen, and you can follow along on the screens as I read this for us. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name throughout the earth. You made your glory higher than heaven. From the mouths of nursing babies, you have laid a strong foundation because of your foes in order to stop vengeful enemies. When I look up at your skies, at what your fingers made... The moon and the stars that you set firmly in place. What are human beings that you think about them? What are human beings that you pay attention to them? Yet you've made them only slightly less than divine, crowning them with glory and grandeur. You've let them rule over your handiwork, putting everything under their feet. All sheep and all cattle, the wild animals too, The birds in the sky, the fish of the ocean, everything that travels the pathways of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name throughout the earth. This is the word of God for the people of God, and God's people say, Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit. And breathe life into the words that I speak, that they might carry a word from you into our hearts and lives this morning. Amen. So as I was preparing for today, um, surprisingly, the movie Finding Nemo came to mind. Who's seen Finding Nemo before? A lot of you. Okay, so Finding Nemo, Disney classic now, um, story of, you know, Nemo the fish, and um, so there's this scene in Finding Nemo where there are a bunch of seagulls, and they're all perched on the post at the pier, and they're all wanting the same thing. They're wanting to get to the fish, right? Um, and, And those of you who've seen Finding Nemo, you remember what the seagulls are saying? It's so memorable, isn't it? Mine, 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 right? Mine. So I was thinking about that and how apparently seagulls, and and it makes sense, right, in that that context, seagulls think from from the perspective of mine, and they want to go after what is mine. And then I was thinking about how different roosters are. Did you all know that? You know, a rooster who is up before just about anybody else in the morning wakes up, crack of dawn, the sun starts coming up, and the rooster sees it, and immediately, what's the first thing the rooster says in the morning? Well, I think y'all need to listen more carefully, because what I hear the rooster saying is, yours! Y'all didn't realize that. (laughs) From the beginning of the day, the rooster recognizes that all that he can possibly see is a gift from God, yours, not mine. You want to be a seagull or you want to be a rooster? You know, in the Scripture this morning in Psalm 8, did you notice How many times the psalmist uses the word you or yours or you've? I counted them for you. Seven times the word your shows up. Five times the word you shows up. And two more times the word you've as in you have done this, God. You have created this thing. So those three words collectively, 14 times, In that one set of nine verses. Meanwhile, there is only one I in Psalm 8. And the one time that the word I shows up is when the psalmist is pointing attention at God. When I look up and see what you have done. And the word mine is nowhere to be found in the psalm. You know, when the starting point for thinking about stewardship is it's all yours, God, then that changes the conversation. Because now it's not what about it's not about what we choose to share of our resources. It is starting from a point of awareness that all the resources are God's and we have been given the privilege and the responsibility of caring for the ones that God has entrusted to us. Now that idea has implications that go far beyond just our money, our financial assets. It has to do with how we care for resources of time and gifts and talents. Today we're going to focus on the money piece. And one of the reasons we're going to do that is because quite honestly... It is often the one that we have the hardest time letting go of. It is the one that we are most likely to keep saying mine about instead of yours. Remember the story of the rich young man and the encounter that Jesus has with him? So we're going to spend a little bit of time on this Sunday inviting you to review our ledgers. What we have coming in, what we have going out, because if we're going to be serious about stewardship in the sense that stewardship is a matter of how we are entrusted to care for everything that is God's, then we have to be willing to look at not just a portion that we decide to set aside, but to look at it all, to look at the full bounty of resources And to pay attention to how we manage, how we steward, how we take responsibility for all of it from a God-honoring perspective. So today I'm going to invite you to consider five questions to help you think about this review of your ledger. And I hope that after leaving here today that you really will take some time to reflect on what does my ledger, what does, what does my bank account, what does my checkbook say, um, what does my mint, or whatever you may use online as a, as a budgeting tool, what does it say about my relationship to God when it comes to my finances? And along the way, we're going to draw on some practical wisdom that comes to us from Scripture in answering these questions. So the first question is this, again, because... Where we start matters. And by putting first things first. In Proverbs 3, 9, we hear these words, Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your produce. Now, time and time again in Scripture, we hear agrarian images used because it was an agrarian economy. And so the way people gifted uh, things was through those particular resources. We don't live in that economy anymore, so we have money, we have finances, we have cash, we have um, those resources to be able to use. But this concept of first fruits is pervasive throughout Scripture, that when it comes to honoring God with our finances, the very first decision we should make is the one related to what we will give the what we will release back to God and for those of us who are a part of a church community who will do that through the church as a way of participating in what God wants to do through the church and so first fruits becomes an important concept. Another concept that goes along with this is one that we hear a number of times throughout the scripture and it's the idea of the tithe or a tenth or 10%. Now, sometimes when the idea of a tithe is brought up, it is communicated in a very legalistic way. I hope that's not the way you hear that today or throughout this series. Um, I think what's important for us to hear in this concept of a tithe is that it relates to this idea of putting first things first and that a tenth is a good benchmark for us to think about in terms of something that would make it possible for us to trust God more deeply And really lean into the idea that it's all God's to begin with, and I am now responsible for taking as good a care of the whole bounty as I possibly can. And when we do that, what I can share from experiences that I have heard from people over the years over and over and over again It's a theme that resonated in what Chip and Marianne shared in their video today. It's a theme that resonates in our own experience of having practiced this over our 37 years of marriage. God keeps showing up and blessing us in ways that we never could have imagined. And that doesn't mean that God keeps showing up and putting more money in our wallets. Blessings come in lots of different forms. But it increases our capacity to embrace trust and to embrace freedom that God has in mind for us when it comes to our finances. So listen to this from Malachi. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and thus put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. Am I putting first things first. You know, starting with the tithe or with first fruits is a healthy way of saying up front, it's yours, God, and that's going to be my starting point. Second question, am I in debt unnecessarily? That word unnecessarily is really important um, because I'm not talking about every kind of debt. Some debt can be quite responsible, and even strategic. It can be a way for us to grow uh, our resources in such a way that they end up blessing not only our household, but they bless our children and grandchildren and generations to come, as well as creating the possibility for blessing others along the way, in addition. What I'm talking about here today is the kind of debt that often catches people by surprise because there was a failure to think about the implications of spending choices that were being made without realizing that that spending was creating a burden of debt. Luke 14, 28 says this, "...for which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost?" to see whether he has enough to complete it. When we don't take that step, when we're not not proactive about assessing our spending, that's when we can end up taking on debt unnecessarily. And there may be some of you out there right now who are living under that very weight. Um, And I want to encourage you To really think about the steps that might help you unbury from that debt. And there are steps that can help you do that. And the next question, I think, is one of the questions that will help move you in that direction. There's a lot more to talk about this subject, more than we could possibly cover in one sermon on one Sunday. Um, But there are other resources that I would be happy to talk with you about. Feel free to email me, um, call the church office, Um, some great ways in which. Uh, folks who are experiencing this burden of debt can begin to get things back in order again. So, Romans thirteen eight says this, and this is a good general mindset for us. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. It's a wonderful goal for us to have the only thing that we owe anybody be the, the debt of love, the debt of caring about our fellow human beings. So the third question is this, am I being disciplined? And this is where we get into the details of our finances. Um, this is where some of you may put your hands to your head and go, oh, I just can't do it because it feels like something that stresses you out. Because you say to yourself, I am not a numbers person. Well, here's what I would say. If that's you, find a friend or a family member who is, who can help you. Because this is important, essential work for all of us if we are going to be good stewards of all of God's resources. This is where we ask ourselves questions like, what do my spending choices say about my stewardship? Where am I being wasteful? What might I need to do differently? Or how might I need to spend differently? You know, when it comes to that idea of of waste and what's going to matter in the end, I think about the writer in Ecclesiastes and how he's looking back over his life and he gets to the point where he's thinking about the choices that he's made and the results of those choices. And he says... Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had spent in doing it. And again, all was vanity and a chasing after the wind. All was vanity and a chasing after wind. You know, one of the saddest things I can think of is to get to that point in life where you're looking back and most of your life has passed and you're thinking with a burden of regret. Uh, how, do, how do we create lives and lifestyles? We're going to talk about the lifestyle aspect more next week, but how do we create ones that set us free and create more freedom? Well, one of the things that we got to do is we got to set a budget. we got to actually know what's coming in, and we got to know what is going out or what has been going out so that we can do a better job of budgeting for what actually can go out in order for us to be able to live within our means. Proverbs 21 5 says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to want. Diligence is a virtue here, friends. Diligence is something that helps us put things in proper order. Now, let me say this. Once we set a budget, don't set a budget, and especially for those of you who are the hands to your heads, this is stressing me out kind, right? Don't set a budget and then set it on a shelf over here and never look at it again. Once you set the budget, you got to go back and you got to review the budget because you got to look at how what you said you were going to do compares to what you're actually doing, and that gives you the opportunity to reassess, to recalibrate, to revisit decisions that you're making so that you can begin to really live into the budget that you have set now this may seem really hard at times and it may even feel painful and the writer to the Hebrews understood this notice this verse from Hebrews twelve eleven. now discipline always seems painful rather than pleasant at the time anybody ever felt that way before But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And good stewardship is a form of righteousness. Practicing good stewardship is a way in which we live out our faith. Next question. Am I creating margin? And here's where we go from the point of setting a budget and saying I'm gonna make sure that I'm living within my means, to saying you know what, I'm gonna live below my means. Because I wanna create margin to be able to do more than just put first things first, and just then after that spend whatever I want. I I wanna create more margin to do more good in the world. So some of you know that my favorite mentor in this regard is John Wesley, the founder of Methodism. Because good old John said, and some of you can say this with me, John said, earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. He was a firm believer that if you've got opportunities to earn income, you should be out there doing it as long as they are honest means. Keep that part in mind. Earn all you can. And then having earned all you can, Save all you can, earning all you can isn't so that you can just go out and spend it all, save all you can, and the reason you save all you can is so that you can give all you can. And so here are some questions that you might begin to ask yourself in terms of thinking about how can I create more margin uh, in my finances? Am I spending more than I should in some particular area? Could I choose to delay or deny a purchase that I've been thinking about? Could I choose a different option? Is there a less costly, more affordable option for something that I've been thinking about or looking at that could still bring me joy or satisfaction, but leave me with more margin in my finances? Proverbs 21.20 says, precious treasure remains in the house of the wise, but the fool devours it. So let me share one personal example from our own story um, of, of trying to create this margin in our lives and in our finances. Catherine and I have two kids, Shelby who is 30 and Sid who is 26. Um, and when they were much younger, when they were growing up, um, we anticipated that they would both likely go to college at some point. And we kind of assumed that more than likely, uh, one or both of them would get married. Uh, And now, at the ages that they are at, we are on the other side of all of those events in their life. But, you know, college and weddings are pretty expensive endeavors. And so when they were younger, we were making decisions to create margin in the hopes that we would not burden ourselves or them with debt as a result of those endeavors. Just to give you one example, it goes back to the question of, could I choose to delay or deny a purchase? Catherine and I are longtime owners of vehicles. Probably close to 15 years on average, each vehicle. And boy, let me tell you, when that money that would be going to a car payment... Is going into the bank account every month and creating greater margin and greater opportunity for the future. That's a big difference. It's a big difference. What are the choices that we can make that create greater margin for us to be able to be generous? Which brings me to the last question Am I blessing others? Because, friends, there is perhaps no greater joy than to be able to be in a position where you can bless others through the resources God has entrusted to you. Proverbs 11, 24, and 25, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped. The freedom of being able to give and to be generous brings great joy. Am I putting first things first? Am I in debt unnecessarily? Am I being disciplined? Am I creating margin? Am I blessing others? Five questions I hope that you'll spend some more time reflecting on based on your own Circumstances. But really, the one question that I want to take you back to more than any of those is this one Seagull or rooster? Mine or yours? You know, what would it look like for us to live in such a way that even with our wallets, we were seeing all that God had entrusted to us as instruments of God's glory, as instruments of praise. Will you pray with me? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God, all creatures here below. Praise God above ye, heavenly host. Praise Father, Son and Holy Ghost. Amen.